Welcome to the Arabian Traveler Poetry. Today with me is El Moshade. We will be discussing love, grief, and mindfulness through poetry. El Moshade received his formal mindfulness training from the Center of Mindfulness at the University of Massachusetts Medical Center, Vanderbilt Osher Center for Integrative Medicine, Duke Center for Integrative Medicine, Google's Search Inside Yourself Leadership Development Program, and is a graduate of the Institute of Mindful Leadership. He's an accredited and certified mindfulness teacher. He currently volunteers his spare time with Meals on Wheels in Washougal, Washington. Elmo is the author of three poetry collections. His latest release, A Glorious Poetic Rage, published by Atmosphere Press in 2021. He is currently completing his first poetry chap book for release sometime in early 2023. Elmo lives and writes in the Pacific Northwest. Elmo, welcome. Also, realize that you have another several books and I got the other one called Standing oh, wow. on One Leg uh, that uh, uh, I'd, I'd like for us to talk a little bit because I'm interested in grief and loss and, and, and sure. love and I know it's uh, was a, um, a tough time for you when you wrote that book uh, but before you know maybe you want to tell us a little bit about how you got into um, poetry and um, I know you also are into mindfulness and I I read that you're also doing Shikong and different kind of, a, so I think uh, it, I'd love to hear a little bit more uh, on that from you as to how you get into these uh, spiritual movements. Yeah, thank you, uh, Mohammed, uh, so much. And I enjoyed your presentation at the Open Mic in Camas and your reading of your traveler work. I've read the entire book now and just really inspiring. So um, you've been an inspiration for me. Thank you. You know, I, I wrote my first poem in high school, believe oh, it or not. Wonderful, yeah. <laughs> and I remember reading it at the dinner table one night and uh, unfortunately didn't really receive a lot of a positive reinforcement. <laughs> and then um, many years later in college, uh, when I was going to uh, Memphis State University, I, I wrote a poem for my fraternity and they actually adopted the poem as their national poem for. Wow. That's Phi great. Fraternity. What was your fraternity? It was Pi Kappa Phi. Yeah. Uh, uh, and so yeah. uh, I, I didn't really didn't pursue it after that. I just, yeah. uh, I got interested in other things. And then uh, around 2013, which is, you know, less than 10 years ago, uh, I began playing with, um, you know, writing some verses, and I had never taken a course in poetry. I don't have an MFA. Um, uh, I had never hired a poetry coach, but I I love the written word and I love um, prose. Yeah. And uh, so I began experimenting with it, and um, 
And then my first uh, publication is that you held up just a few moments ago uh, was in uh, in 2017, which was like four years later. Yeah. And, uh, and then I've been um, I've been a student ever since. That's wonderful. So um, what prompted you like um, standing on on one leg? Um, it, it was prompted by personal experience it is, is, is what I read. And uh, if it's not too much traumatic for you, would you mind sharing as much as you um, are able to? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I uh, met my late wife in uh, 2007. She lived in Seattle. I lived in Nashville, which you can probably tell by the accent. We fell in love and she eventually moved to Nashville from Seattle. And um, in 2015, she was diagnosed with um, liver cancer and um, her, her uh, life was very short after that. It was when, within six weeks of the diagnosis of her passing. And so for the first time in my life, you know, I became a full-time caretaker. I had to quit my, I was working for myself. I was a sole proprietor doing executive coaching and mindfulness training. Uh, I had to tell all of my clients that I had to take a break and care for my wife. And it was a result of, you know, her passing that the majority of the poems in Standing on One Leg were written. As a matter of fact, just, just to show you how much I did not know, Mohammed, about publishing, uh, when you read Standing on One Line, poems of love, loss, and the spaces in between, the timeline is actually back to forward. So if you go to the very final poem in the book, it's that, that final poem is the last poem I wrote while she was still living uh, about uh, Sayalita Sundays. And everything uh, back toward the front of the book, timeline-wise, was my experience, you know, after her passing and, and then just really dealing with grief and, um, and understanding how um, I needed to recover mindfully and, and um, wisely and uh, with, with a good support of family and friends. So th the entire book is about grief and grief recovery and my, uh, my dedication to Tracy Mitchell. Well, you've, you've done a, a good job with that and I'm sorry um, for uh, your loss. And, Thank you. Um, and uh, I've, I've, I've done, um, a, I'm also a licensed counselor and I've done those uh, group um, where we've done grief and we all wrote a poem and that was very uh, cathartic for um, uh, a lot of us. Um, and uh, so the other, I was wondering if you uh, would like uh, to read us a poem um, and kind of maybe tell us no, you know, uh, what prompted you to write it. And, and I, I know I mentioned that one, uh, farmers and, 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 and hunters or hunters and farmers. And, and, I, and I think we were talking about relationships and, and, and love. And, and I'd like for you to perhaps read that one and talk a little bit about what inspired you to write it. And, um, and if anything about relationships and what, what does that mean to you? Okay, well, this, this actually comes from my latest um, collection called A Glorious Poetic Rage. Uh, most of the poems in the book uh, are about the pandemic 
that we went through for two years and the social unrest in our nation uh, as a result of the George uh, Floyd incident. Uh, but this particular poem, Hunters and Farmers, birthed itself, you know, out of my own revelation of uh, of uh, of my my uh, education, if you will. It, it might be it might be helpful, uh, Mohammed, first to read a poem out of Standing on One Leg because yeah, it really sets it sets up hunters and farmers and the impetus for me in writing that. And the poem in Standing on One Leg is called No Supporting Cast. And this is, uh, this is the um, three uh, stanza poem. And this is after Tracy had passed. I once thought the deepest love only originates from an unconditional heart. The space between beats that holds no expectations or promises of, or, or of ever after. Now, after years of trial and error, of brokenness and the drama of being in love with being in love, I finally see that love stands alone. Love needs no supporting cast. That that was the that was the impetus for me realizing that love needs no supporting cast. In the past, my relationships were predicated on being in love with being in love. It wasn't being in love with the person, yeah, <laughs> who they were. It was being in love with the illusion of love. So hunters and farmers birthed itself after that. So when you think of a hunter, think of the person that's in love with being in love. When you think of the farmer, think of the person who's finally realized that love needs no supporting cast. And this is the poem, Hunters and Farmers. Hunters hunt, farmers farm. Hunters seek and farmers sow. Hunters attach, farmers let go. Hunters need, farmers nourish. Hunters expect, farmers extend. Hunters pine, farmers plow. Hunters hurt, farmers heal. Hunters always hunt, farmers always farm. And that's all I'll say about relationships. That's that's really wonderful. That's uh, oh yeah. And you know, um, you know, as you're also doing things on loss and and that. Uh, how do you um work? I mean, you. It sounds like you're doing more volunteer work now, but are you? still um, helping others uh, with coaching. Uh, um, and if, if you can talk on that um, and, and what kind of areas uh, you help people with. Yeah, thank you. I've been really fortunate, Mohammed. In the last seven years, uh, I have been uh, an instructor for a mindfulness company uh, based out of Orlando, Florida, 
called E-Mindful, Little E-Mindful. And we offer uh, live, just like we're live here, live uh, trainings and education on mindfulness-based stress reduction. Uh, and so I'm one of 35 instructors that uh, teach almost every day, at least one class, uh, and we're worldwide. So you can log on from Singapore, Australia, Japan, um, Los Angeles, it doesn't matter where you are, you can log on and participate in the training. One of the ways that I've been able to reach out to individuals relative to grief is I recorded a six series um, episodes on grief recovery. So if you were to go to eMindful and type in grief, uh, you would be privy to all six series. And it was really my experience stage by stage of working my way through that recovery process. Um, and the other thing I absolutely love, and this is once a week, but it's, yeah. my, it's my gift to the community is I volunteer for Meals on Wheels. And why that's important is my late wife uh, delivered meals. Oh, wonderful. Meals and um, she loved it. She, she, would, she, she just loved uh, her customers, bringing them their food, getting to know them. And when I had the opportunity to volunteer here, when I moved from Nashville, Tennessee to Southwest Washington, I thought, why not Meals on Wheels? Now, I don't deliver the meals. I, I do the food preparation and uh -huh. I pack all the meals for the drivers to go out. Uh, but that's just, I've been doing it now for a little over two years, almost three years. And it's just extremely rewarding. And um, I'm fortunate to have had that opportunity. That, that is wonderful. Yeah. And um, yeah, I, I, you know, uh, that's kind of sort of, um, I'm social worker in, in by training and counselor. And so uh, I did, um, in fact, still do a big portion of our work supporting uh, older adults and and so I, I appreciate uh, you doing that. Uh, it's wonderful work. Um, well, I want to ask you a little bit. I know that um, I've also read and I've seen like this latest book you you wrote, uh, uh, glorious uh, poetic page. Uh, you know, was not self-published, and I've heard you talk about how, you know, uh, you know, how do you give uh, other authors who want to seek to have their books published, you know, uh, how did you do that? How is that different from self-publishing? Uh, I was wondering if you can talk a little bit about that and uh, see if you can inspire um, the rest of us to go and find a way to <laughs> get somebody to publish right, uh, right. our work, you know. Yeah, well, you know, things have changed so much over the years that you know now that self-publishing is huge. And when I first started, I did, I don't, I still do not have an agent, uh, but my first two poetry collections, uh, Standing on One Leg um, and then uh, Coffee Grinds, both were self-published. I had a really good friend of mine who's an author in Nashville, and he guided me through the self-publishing process uh, through Amazon Books. Uh -huh. So um, it, uh, it was pretty, um, uh, intuitive to, to go through the process. The only thing that uh, a person would have to do if, if they're going to self-publish 
probably would be really important to find um, a graphic artist, uh, someone that uh, is um, really skilled at design in terms of your cover and your uh, table of contents and your interior. And there, there are a lot of folks out there that do this work. It's not that expensive. You're not gonna you know, break the bank account uh, getting a pub, uh, book self-published. Some folks do it themselves. I wasn't that mm -hmm. skilled. I actually found a young lady in Florida that uh, someone recommended and we connected. And so I used her for my first two uh, self-published books. But um, I really was, it, I really was motivated uh, in this third collection by having it published. I think it lends a little more credibility. Uh, you know, poetry is not a high-selling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, you know, uh, John Grisham yeah. or yeah. Uh, J.K. Rowling, uh, mm -hmm. but it's what it's what I love, and so yeah. I, I'm not motivated by publishing. Yeah, yeah. But when I finished when I finished the book, I just sent it out to um, several uh, companies that I found online, and you can find them easily by just doing a, a Google search. And yeah. I got a response from one company, Atmosphere Press, out of um, Austin, Texas, and they said, you know, we're really interested in your work. We like your work. Uh, do you want to work with us? And um, now understand that because I'm not a J.K. Rowling or a yeah, yeah. or a, a John Grisham, uh, where they front you money. And then, <laughs> uh, with, with some of the publishing companies, you, you know, you have to pay for their services. Yeah. You have to pay for their editing. You have to pay for their design. Yeah. Uh, and and of course, you get a, obviously a discount on on the on the printing. Uh, yeah. But we came to an agreement on how much they would charge me for editing and design and all that that my previous uh, person yeah. did in Florida, uh, and uh, and then the rest is history. Yeah. And I think I think it's really the in terms of design, cover, the interior, the the poetry book. It was really the better quality, and um, uh, whether I use them again, I'm I'm currently working on a chat book. My very first poetry chat book. Hopefully, I'll publish that in 2023. We'll see if I use the same company, but um, uh, yeah, I'm, that's I'm great. Experiment a little bit out, a little bit more. Well, I had to look up, and I guess in the the olden days, um, Chapman was like a person who peddled or sold books. So I had to figure out what is a chat book. So um, what's maybe you can describe to us, like what would it look like and what what kind of poems would you have in it or what kind of fables or any what's yeah that's a great question uh, I, I really have a little things reversed normally when you're starting out in poetry your chapbook is your very first publication and then you progress from there in building your audience to a full manuscript I'm a little reversed for that you know my uh -huh. I've got three published poetry books and now I'm working on my first chat book. Here's the difference though, uh, Mohammed, a chat book is a smaller version of uh -huh. a poetry collection of a manuscript. Usually a poetry collection would have 75 to 100 poems, you know, probably um, 75 to 90 pages. A chat book will have 15 to 20 poems. Okay. It's very, it's very short. 
And here's the difference. All the poems in the chat book have one theme. Okay. The theme throughout every poem funnels into a person or a period in your life or something that has a common theme. All right. So that's that's the difference uh, in maybe a manuscript, which could be all okay. over the board, with a portrait yeah. collection being really directed to one particular uh, focus. Well, good good luck with that. And Thank you. I wish you a lot of good luck. Um, let's see, like any other um, uh, advice you have for um, people dealing with with grief. Um, you've 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 gone through that path, and and uh, I I know it's 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 hard, and and uh, any um, any resources you can recommend for people to look at, and um, or yes, um, matter of fact, I I just had a wonderful uh, long term friend uh, connect with me in the last couple of weeks who just uh, lost her mom at the age of 92. Uh, and she's now going through the grief process. And it might be, might be important too to understand and to point out Mohammed that grief is not just about the loss due to death. Yeah. You know, yeah. Grief is any type of loss, whether you have lost a loved one through divorce whether you've lost a loved one through just a breakup in a relationship, a long-term relationship, whether you've lost your job in a career due to a layoff, you know, loss is loss and we have to treat it as such. So um, two, two books, and not that a book is the elixir, but I'm, I'm a reader and, uh, and a poet, and, um, um, and so I, I, I use those resources to help me work through those stages of, of denial, of bargaining, of anger, you know, of, um, of uh, guilt, and finally of just uh, acceptance that, um, uh, I had to move on with, with, yeah, with life. Yeah. Uh, so um, one of the resources is by Martha Hickman. And it, it's, just, it's just a short book on uh, meditations on grief. And these are all on, on Amazon uh, books. Meditations on grief. And it's a, it's a passage every day that you yeah. read once a day on grief recovery. And... Um, I not only used the book from January or well, actually from uh, October of 2015 to October 2016, I used it for two years. Yeah. So I read those passages every day for two years. And then the yeah. other resource that um, he's one of my favorite poets is uh, Rilke, Rainier Rilke. Oh, wonderful. And, um, you know, he has uh, several of his collections that, um, his, his poetry speaks to the aspect of loss and love. And, you know, he was kind of a uh, hopeless romantic anyway, Rilke was. And so a lot of his poetry is about love and loss. Uh, so um, the other thing I would say is 
surround yourself with people who you love and love you. Uh, try not to um, try not to make this a solo act and to go it alone uh, and to accept accept this this one statement um, by um, Pema Chodron, who's a Buddhist uh, mindfulness teacher. This one statement really resonated for me. She said, um, she said, and this was a question, can you accept that you can you could not always meet your loved one's needs? Can you accept that you were not always able yeah. to yeah. meet your loved one's needs? And that in itself, that acceptance of that statement really eviscerates a lot of the guilt that we carry after our loved one dies. That we were, it wasn't enough. We didn't do enough. We weren't there enough. Um, and so we, we get to we get to a point of letting go of that guilt. That was that was huge for me. Well, that's really a deep and, and powerful. Um, I want to thank you. I think we have time for you if you like to end up uh, end us with a poem. And I'd like to, uh, if you want to let the audience know about the the uh, open mic you have, and and also uh, after you read the poem, you can let us know how uh, folks can get a hold of you and and. Uh, if they want to learn more about you or about uh, the open mic that program yeah. that you have absolutely well uh, let me um let me just say that our open mic is the third monday of every month uh starting at 6 15 in the camas library in camas washington um, and it's open to all ages so we welcome you to come in and sign in to read we have a featured poet you were our featured poet last month and a great response from your presence and your presentation. So we encourage you to do that. You can, you can reach me at uh, Elmo, E-L-M-O, at Elmo Shade, E-L-M-O-S-H-A-D-E, just my name.com. I'm not, I don't have a website, but I am on LinkedIn. So if you type in Elmo Shade on LinkedIn, you can find all the information probably that you, you might need about me. I'll, um, yeah, and I must say, like, as your Camas is a wonderful little town. I, I, when I went there to read, thank you for the invite. I stopped there. There's like a plenty of nice restaurants and food places, um, and uh, very quaint, very quaint uh, town. So uh, I highly encourage that. Um, well, let me read. Uh, and do we have time for one poem? Do we have time for one poem? Yes, you, you betcha, yeah. Um, here's a, and I know you, you focus on love and forgiveness. So this is from Standing on One Leg. It's called Already Complete. Nothing kills the sweetness of love more than the bitterness of shame. You got busy with living as if living and loving were separate things. Then you find the yin needs the yang to breathe, to move through the muddy water, risking being vulnerable, naked in the moment of terror, in the moment of grief, you surrender. You give to your body 
what it is yearned to receive. Not something acquired, but that which is already complete. Loving yourself. Thank you so much. That was so wonderful. I, I would love, I'm sure I'd love to host you uh, for another topic uh, at a different time. But um, like I mentioned, we like to keep those short. Uh, uh, thank you so much. And uh, I look forward to uh, talking with you uh, more in the future. Absolutely, thank you. Mohammed, anytime. Thank you so much, my friend. You're welcome. Take care. Bye-bye. Yes. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You have been listening to the Arabian Traveler Poetry, and this is Mohammed Bader. I want to personally thank you for listening, taking the time. Please comment, follow, or send me an email, thearabiantraveler at gmail.com. Till we meet again, don't forget, for every high, there's a law, and for every laughter, there's a tear, and it's perfectly okay, and it's perfectly normal.